From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. It's time for another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast here on IdahoSports.com. Everything you need to know in District 4 every single week. We're here breaking it down. I'm Brandon Bainey with Scott Burton. Scott, what's going on? How we doing, Brandon? Doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, so you've got a uh, USA golf shirt on today. <laughs> I didn't know you were such a uh, golf fan. Oh, love golf, man. It's uh, it's one of my passions, things I love to do. Don't get to do it enough, but I think anybody that loves golf will always say that. Uh, never get to do it enough. So, yeah, absolutely. Love the game. That's why you got into the administration side because a lot of business is done on the golf course, right? There is. And then all my side hustles, you know, I uh, closed a few deals out there. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I love playing golf, but I can't, I really struggle to watch it on TV. Are you that way too? Not at all. Love watching, watching it on TV. Um, I mean, obviously the bigger tournaments are more fun to watch than, you know, some sort of JV amateur tournament that's happening in some, you know, par three course in the middle of Oklahoma. I mean, those things, you know, you've got to be really bored or a true fan and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till the bigger tournaments. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. I, I'll tune in on the last day. I don't, the, you know, Thursday, Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday. Yeah. I'm not into that, but uh, if you want to see Scott's shirt, you can check out the video of this prep cast at our uh, idahosports.com YouTube channel, as well as our Facebook page. You can also get the audio for this weekly podcast wherever you download your podcasts mm-hmm. or at idahosports.com. We've got it across the uh, navigation bar on the homepage now, PrepCast's uh, drop-down menu. You just click on Magic Valley PrepCast, and you're off and running. So no excuses, right, Scott? Lots of ways to get this. Absolutely. And uh, so far, the response has been really, really positive, really good. I mean, people are starting to catch on and and listen to these things. And because it is the kind of the inaugural season of the PrepCast, uh, doing it this way. But uh, so far, it's, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. I, th- I think it's great to give uh, each area their own uh, outlet each week where we're talking about specifically mm-hmm. the teams in, in that area. So last week we kind of broke down the football teams in the magic Valley that we thought would be pretty good today. We'll go with soccer and a little bit of volleyball at, at a lot of schools. Scott uh, soccer is actually the first sport um, that'll be having a varsity competition at, at many schools. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, we kick off our soccer season this Saturday as we've got capital coming to town, our, our boys are going to play capital at home. Uh, and then our girls are headed up to capital to play. But uh, yeah, you're right. Soccer is the one that just kicks off first more than anything. And boy, when you talk about the popularity that soccer has you know, kind of garnered over the over the years, I mean, this is a huge sport and uh, it's, it's no different in Jerome here. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a sport that's growing in popularity. So last year, there were actually several talented soccer teams, boys and girls, that came from the Magic Valley. But I think anytime you start talking about soccer, the conversation has to start with Sun Valley Community School. Well, it's, it's, what a dynasty going on up there. I mean, these guys are three-time defending state champions. And, uh, I mean, just I mean, you just look at the numbers and the stats – uh, that they've been able to amass under uh, Richard Whiteclaw in his 30th season, mind you, uh, of coaching the cutthroats. I mean, that's insane when you think. I mean, most people are in education for 30 years, not coaching for 30 years. But uh, uh, he's been around long enough that he's got one of his captains, uh, Carter Samus, uh, 
coached his dad back in 92. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, for uh, Coach Whitecly, he's just been here, you know. Uh, last year, during the COVID year, I mean, they won the state title, uh, played all their games on the road. Uh, they went nine and three. You know, their only three losses were to Wood River in what they called the COVID Cup. And so, uh, I mean, these guys are loaded year in and year out. And this year they're going to be trying to go for four in a row, which is unheard of in anything. Yeah, what makes them so good? Because they're a small school. They are they are a 1A school in other athletics, and, and there is no 1A in soccer. You have to play 3A. And so they're, they're playing almost every time against schools that are much larger than them. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing about uh, the, the community school is they, they just have a pedigree, but they have some consistency there. They've had a coach that's been there forever, and it, they, they just have they just have a program. I mean, it's just really hard to explain it when you're playing up like that all the time, and yet you're still three-time defending state champs, and you know they've made the semifinals for the past five years. Um, and won the last three. It's like a, whatever they've got in the water up there. Um, I know we, we'd like to have some of that, but uh, they've got it going on. That's for that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's always uh, one of the the fun things to track every year. And of course, they've got one of the best nicknames I think in the entire state: the Cutthroats. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple other things too. I mean, a lot of people are looking at this team this year as okay. If this was the year that the Cutthroats are going to be kind of knocked off the pedestal. This is it uh, because they graduated 14 seniors. Uh, only eight people on that roster have uh, varsity experience, you know? And so this, uh, for a lot of teams, that's a rebuilding year for the cutthroats. It's kind of a reloading year, you know, and that's just the way that they approach things. So, uh, you know, kind of a little side note for those guys. I mean, Sun Valley is just a different area. I mean, we all know that. And I think we talked a little bit about it last week, but, uh, now they've got two nationally ranked skiers on their squad as well. So uh, it's hey, things good things are happening up in Sun Valley. And you can't really mention Sun Valley without skiing anyway. But uh, right. they have two nationally ranked skiers on their team, which is kind of cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that's that'll be fun to to track this season as well. So uh, two weeks ago on the Treasure Valley Prepcast with Logan Green, we had a Weezer's soccer coach on Kathy Bakitis, and of course Weezer met up with Sun Valley in the championship last year. Uh, she was really excited. That is going to be a regular season contest this year, a rematch of the three, a title game from a year ago. Weezer is going to travel to Sun Valley community school on Saturday, September 11th. I think that's going to be a really fun game. Oh, absolutely. You know, and for the cutthroats to, uh, you know, establish a relationship with another school like that, uh, you know, especially the, the, the bigger schools that they'll play with anybody. You know, I mean, they're, they're kind of have the mantra, uh, anybody, anywhere, anytime. Right. And, uh, and, and hats off to Weezer for doing that because you don't see a lot of those bigger schools taking, I don't want to take, say, take a step down because they're definitely not doing that, but to go play smaller schools, but you know, nobody even looks at uh, the community schools, one of those smaller schools. So I, that's, that's good to see. That's really good yeah. to see. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun. So, uh, in the great basin, who looks good in, in soccer? How's, how's Jerome stacking up to everybody? Well, yeah, Jerome's going to be, uh, Jerome's going to be competitive, you know, um, that you can never count out, you know, what river Canyon Ridge is, you know, perennial district 
championship talk type of team. Um, you know, Jerome graduated, you know, quite a bit from their squad last year. But, uh, you know, they do have six starters returning. You know, they have a good young group of kids. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it's a grind. I mean, the soccer season is a grind. And uh, they're playing two games a week. And for the most part, and, and it, it, it just takes a toll on you. So, I mean, injuries, believe it or not, become a really important piece of the soccer puzzle when it comes to longevity, you know. But uh, over here, we're going to be okay, you know. But uh, can't count out uh, Canyon Ridge, who's, like I said, a perennial district champion. Yeah, and they took third place at state last year. So, mm -hmm. pedigree there. Uh, on the girls' side, I think Twin Falls has a really good chance this year, not just to win the district, but I, I think they are a bona fide state contender after finishing runner-up last year. Oh, yeah. Katie Kaufman does a fantastic job over there with, with her team. And year in and year out, Twin Falls soccer is just solid, you know, uh, on the girls' side. Um, you know, the boys, the boys are good. The girls are great. And uh, they, they just have a, a, a reputation over there for just being good. And, you know, and they bring back some pretty good players too. You know, um, uh, Sydney Jund is one of those that is just you know, an athlete. You know, she's just a stud and she is just tearing it up on the softball field throughout the summer. Um, and then steps right into a soccer role and played a lot of goalie for him last year. Um, but I'd be interested to see what they do with her, you know, in this year, because you take one of your better players, sticker goalie and, they just stand there, you know, for a lot because twins that good. Nobody's getting shots on goal. So, but uh, I mean, that's a good problem to have, you know, and uh, Coach Goffman and Twin Falls uh, Bruin soccer, uh, I'd, I'd look for them to make a run deep into the postseason. Yeah, I, I've got them as one of the early favorites. Uh, they, they had such a great championship match with Preston last year. It was, yep. a game, it was a game that I thought really could go either way. As I forgot to turn the ringer off on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Mine went off earlier too, so I had to do the same thing. <laughs> well, we're nothing if not professional, right, Scott? That's absolutely right. I dressed up for it, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. So let's, okay. So, so those are some of the soccer teams we're going to keep an eye mm -hmm. on this year. Let's transition to volleyball. Um, volleyball will start kind of in the middle of next week. Some schools will start on Wednesday, some will start Thursday, and then by the weekend. Mm -hmm everybody will be off and running. Who looks good in volleyball? Well, you, you can't count out Burley. I mean, Burley in the Great Basin anyway is, uh, I mean, they were fourth place at State a year ago. Um, and, you know, you'd have to think they're the favorites to win the Great Basin Conference. You know, they bring back uh, two senior all-star selections in Sydney Searle and Natalie Hepworth. So they do have some strong leadership and talent coming back. You know, I think Burley across the board in girls' sports this season might be pretty dang good. I mean, we'll be talking basketball a little bit later on, um, but uh, for volleyball, yeah, they're bringing back some pretty vital cogs to that team, you know, and you can't count Twin Falls out. You know, Twins got a new coach. Um, they won the consolation match last year, you know, took fifth overall, and Twins always been good at volleyball. Um, and they bring back um, – uh, their senior all-state selection. Now that's all-state in uh, Brenly Hansen, you know. So I mean, they've got some pieces there as well. Twin Falls does. So, um, but then again, you kind of go up and down this this Great Basin Conference, Wood River and Minico. You can't count them out as 
either. I mean, Wood River's bringing back four all-conference selections, you know, and Minico's uh, bringing back three players who earned postseason recognition, you know, and Jerome, who struggled last year, but they were in a massive rebuilding phase. Uh, they're bringing back a lot of players and a lot of young players. So, you know, they're going to make a little bit of noise. I mean, I don't think they're quite there yet, um, but this conference in, in volleyball should be really interesting. But I think on you know, paper, it's Burley's to lose right now. Yep. I agree with everything you said there. I, I think Wood River could be a real sneaky, mm-hmm. real good team this year. So I'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, at the 3A level, I mean, when you talk about statewide, Sugar Salem has just dom- like everything. Sugar Salem is dominated, but who in the in the SCIC is is looking good? Um, you know, Kimberly and Filer Fy- last year. They, I mean, they were legit. You know, they were legit in basketball, girls basketball. They were legit in in volleyball, and it it always came down to Sugar and Filer and just about everything. You know, um, and I I don't see that changing much. I mean, I, I think Filer is is still. I mean, you're, you're king of the hill until somebody tells you otherwise, you know. So I think Filer's going to be strong. I mean, I wouldn't count out Kimberly, um, but uh, you know, I I really like what Filer's got going on in the volleyball program, and um, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think it's Filer's to lose right now. But Kim, Kimberly is always competitive, even though they did lose a lot of talented players. Um, mm-hmm. They they have an ability to bounce back pretty quickly. It seems like. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Filer's always had some really tall girls, um, which has obviously served them well in, in uh, basketball and uh, in volleyball as well. They come to our tournament over here and uh, I get to see them kind of up close and personal and see kind of how they play. And uh, they've got a really good volleyball program. Yeah. Uh, and then you get down to the 2A level and it's, you know, it's such a small uh, district, you know, there's Wendell and Valley and um, I, I don't know. It's always hard to, it's always hard to predict that because the conference is so small. Yeah, it is. And, and when you get into those smaller schools, one player makes a huge difference. Um, but, uh, you know, anybody that coached volleyball in, in the past, I mean, I, believe it or not, I had my hand in volleyball back in the day. Uh, you can't pass the ball. Doesn't matter how many hitters you have, you know, you can't set the ball. doesn't matter how many swingers you got, you know, it's just, one of those things. And when you get to that smaller level, it's a lot of times don't make the mistake because, you know, serve receive at that level is, is huge. And, you know, you watch it and how many times is the serve just not returned because, you know, girls can't pass, you know, you get into the upper level, you have more of those to choose from. And so the passing gets a little bit better. How many hitters do you have? Well, if you get to a small level and you pass the volleyball and you have a hitter, Holy cow, that makes you a powerhouse. Yeah, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see um, at the smaller levels. I think in terms of state potential, it's those smaller level teams from the Magic Valley that have the best chance of breaking through. You know, 4A, 3A might be difficult, but mm-hmm. 2, 2A and below, I think there's some, some good chances. Lighthouse Christian was really solid last year. They, they lost a lot of uh, – that, that, that group of girls that played volleyball and basketball were really talented, and it's, it's always hard when you lose a, a class like that. But Yeah, you know, and the smaller schools are really subject to that, that classification you know, graduation. And I remember last year watching Lighthouse Christian and Twin Falls uh, go at it here at our tournament. And, uh, and and you could tell, I mean, it was just a David versus Goliath type of thing to where you've got the smaller 
you know, Lighthouse Christian going up against the mighty Twin Falls Bruins. And boy, I tell you what, they were back and forth and, and it was a heated match. You could tell it meant something to those girls. You know, they're not the Canyon Ridge Twin Falls rivals, but I mean, here's a smaller school trying to take down the big dog. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. And Lighthouse was really, really good. Yeah. And then, and then uh, at the 1AD2 level, Castleford had just a season for the ages and, you know, came up just a little bit short in that championship match against Tri-Valley. But um, Castleford really, uh, I, I'm not sure they had a ton of preseason acclaim, but they, they kind of came out of nowhere and had just a phenomenal team. But that that league, I think, is pretty wide open now. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it's nice to, to mention Castleford in the conversation again, because you just, you know, don't hear a lot about them. And like you said, because they came out of nowhere, it's almost like people are saying, okay, we'll do it again. And then we'll start putting you on the map, you know, but, uh, you know, congrats to them because that may have generated some momentum within their program to get them back into the conversation. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be exciting to watch the volleyball teams in the magic Valley this year. And like I said, mm-hmm. I think those smaller, uh, level schools have the best chance of, of making noise at the state level. Uh, there is a very small sampling of football games on the schedule this weekend. I think there's three games going on statewide, Scott, and you're going to be at one of them for Idaho.com yeah. zero. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things that uh, I, when I took this job as athletic director, it was like, I had a couple of requests said, uh, Hey, one of those is let me continue to coach the speech team here. And the other one is, let me still broadcast for Idaho sports. And they're like, hey, no problem here. I'm like, sign me up. And so, you know, obviously it took away my Friday night, every Friday night gig, but uh, we don't have a zero week game. And uh, so it's like, hey, let's get this done. So we're headed over to Minico and watch Century or broadcast Century in Minico. And, you know, as it would kind of have it, the new head coach at Century is our old defensive coordinator of several years, Logan Horick. So uh, it'll be fun. It should be a really good game too. Do, do you think he has some sort of an advantage having seen Minico, uh, I mean, up close and personal for the last couple of years, or does that not matter? Well, you know, Minico is one of those teams that just, they're going to do what they do, you know, and there's no surprise in what Minico is going to do. You know, it's run the ball, stop us and see what happens. But, uh, you know, he, he is familiar with their blocking schemes. You know, he is familiar with kind of the inner workings of uh, maybe the way they like to have personnel substitutions, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I think he may have a little advantage in that area, but at the end of the day, it's, do you have the kids that can make those adjustments on the field? Yeah. And, and century has so many question marks, really. They bring back two starters, uh, but it's the quarterback and receiver, McKeon Romrell mm-hmm. and Bruin Fleischman. That's a pretty tough duo to stop. But there, I mean, there's just so many question marks about Century. We're, we're not really going to know until they actually take the field. Now, the numbers are low at Century this year. Uh, I was talking to Jordan Kay from the Idaho State Journal yesterday, and he said there's only about 65 players total from, from senior on down, which which hurts. Yeah, it does. You know, and, and we're seeing that across the board at a lot of schools, too. You know, um, as we're putting our schedules together, so many of these schools, larger ones, 4As, are like, hey, we've only got a varsity and a C team. That's it. Guys aren't coming out, you know. And uh, the same is true for some girls' soccer teams, not to change the subject on you, but it reminded me that the conversation I had with an AD up in the Boise Valley, a lot of the 5A schools can't field three soccer teams. 
or two or right three three teams you know um that they're just having varsity only a lot of them and they're just not getting the turnout and we're starting to see that in football and so over at century just to kind of bring that back um you know it's it might take a bit because they've got a new coach uh a new philosophy new program and uh, so it may take them a little bit to get that going but yeah it is interesting to see the low numbers yes okay so as as an athletic director uh what what do you attribute that to? I mean, I'm sure it's a number of factors, but it, it is alarming almost. It, it, it is. And it's really interesting because, you know, for the past several years, we've seen the shift in kind of the makeup of the kids, so to speak. You know, um, you don't run into those kids as much anymore that are just those all American kids that just get it done in the classroom. And then they kick your butt on a football field and they just have that blue collar mentality we're seeing that breed of kid really disappear, you know, in, in general, when it comes to all or all over the place, um, things become a little bit too hard. You know, it's too much work. Uh, it's too much time. They have so many other options. And I mean, COVID didn't help things at all because that didn't generate a whole lot of enthusiasm for, you know, certain programs and certain programs shut down completely and they're having to rebuild you know, so there's so many moving parts in that equation, um, but it, it is becoming almost the athletic director I talked to in the Boise Valley called it a pandemic, you know, a participation pandemic to where it's just becoming a thing that kids aren't coming out. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, when I was in high school, I played football, I played basketball until I got cut. And I mean, I would have died to be on the team. And now yeah. I, I, I feel like if I was in high school now at my old high school, I'd make the team no problem just because there's no, there's no <laughs> chance to play, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, we need you, man. We just don't have another one. Yeah. You know? And uh, you know, we're seeing we're seeing some of the kids uh, be one sport athletes, you know, specializing, if you will, uh, the club situation has caused issues, you know? And so, like I said, there's so many factors playing into this that, you know, and I hope it rebounds because there was a, there was a day that, you know, you had kids just overflowing these teams. So many wanted to be part of it. And now you're scraping them together to play. Yeah. As, as, uh, as numbers continue to drop do you do you ever anticipate the ihsaa adjusting the enrollment numbers that are required for each level of classification you know what i don't see that happening before i see you know petitions of moving up and down uh being granted a little bit more because you know the, the other part of it too is if you've got these bigger schools and these kids aren't coming out i mean how much success is that program going to have and over the course of years, if you just have this, this cycle of unsuccessful football seasons or whatever it is, then I think you're going to start to see a lot more of the petitions up and down. It's like, hey, man, we just don't have the success at the football level. We can't get kids out. We can't play this, you know, 5A schedule, 4A schedule and, and be competitive and keep interest. So I think you'll see that uh, before adjustments in the, in the numbers. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. It'll be, it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. And ho like I said, and you said, hopefully it rebounds and we get back to that level we were at, but the pandemic certainly did not do any favors to that. Right. No, it didn't. And, and we hope that we're not going to repeat that, you know, moving forward because, you know, like I said, I think on a previous podcast was that, you know, we can do anything for a year. 
But if we're having to do it two years in a row, I mean, you are, you're, it's going to take a long time to dig yourself out of those, you know, consequences and, and the results of, of being shut down two years in a row. So we're, we're crossing our fingers that nothing else starts to happen, but uh, it would be detrimental to, to so many programs. Yeah. And I mean, not even just athletics, but just uh, schools as well. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I feel like last year was almost a lost year where they, everyone did their best, but really, I mean, it, it was hard in terms of going through a school year, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, I, last year. I would never have wanted to be a teacher. I mean, I would teacher my whole life last year. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, that was awful for our teachers, you know, so they need normalcy as much as the kids do. You know, and we talk about how these kids need to get back into school. Absolutely, they do. But we also need to make sure our teachers have some sort of normalcy, too, because, you know, last year they were spread so thin, you know, teaching online, teaching in person. I mean, it was like you couldn't ask more of your teachers. And a lot of them left the profession because of it. And when they leave the profession like that, you're taking coaches with you. You know, and so it's just a big old domino. So we're, like I said, we're crossing our fingers, hoping this year is normal, and we don't have that mass exodus um, of teachers and coaches and subsequent players. You know, so we'll we'll do what we can, man. Yep. No better way to start off a normal year than a football game on Friday night. Minico hosting Century. Scott Burton and Paul Kingsbury will be on the call on IdahoSports.com. That game will kick off at 7 o'clock. And that will kick off kind of our our opening uh, week, 10 days of football. Mm-hmm. Just, just the one game in zero week. And then we have 18 broadcasts on the schedule for week wow. one. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. That's going to give us a little bit more stuff to talk about once these games get going, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about next week for now, though. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you back here next week.